Well, I'm really uh, happy to be here with you all today. Um, we've got uh, a special treat today. Um, here in a moment, I'm going to share a few words, and then our brother Rick Reams, uh, who is back with us after being gone for quite some time dealing with just a health crisis that he was having and had to spend quite a bit of time in the hospital and lots of different things going on. He's going to share with us in a little bit just a testimony of God's faithfulness to him um, through that time of darkness and struggle. But before that, I just want to share a little bit with you, and my message today is pretty simple, uh, but hopefully it can uh, speak to your heart today. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. The words will be on the screen, uh, but you can also follow along in your Bible if you would like. I'm reading from the NIV, the ones in your pews or the NRSV or the RSV. They're all very similar. Um, but I'm going to be reading. This is actually a pretty important text in the Bible. This is where we get the Lord's Prayer from, this, this text, and also in Matthew. Um, we're not going to talk much about the Lord's Prayer today, uh, but there is a lot we could unpack from these verses, and I'm not going to attempt to do that this morning. Um, but I'm going to share something that has come to me as I've read through this, and then Rick will also um, help illuminate some of what we're talking about through his testimony as well. But if you'll follow along with me, Luke chapter 11, 1 through 13. This is directly after our story from last week, by the way, about Martha and Mary and what happened there where Mary was at Jesus' feet and Martha was distracted and stressed out about all the good ministry and things she was doing, um, but Jesus called her to really take a step back and learn from Mary's example. And now we're going to, Jesus is going to teach us some more. And so one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or he asks for an egg, and you will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So to begin, I want to ask you to consider a question. When you think about a good parent, who comes to your mind? When you think about a really good parent, who comes to your mind? So think of an image of somebody that you know. 
that comes to your mind when you think of a really, really good parent? And then the second question is just what qualities make that person a good parent? So you think about a really good parent, a good father, a good mother. What makes them a good parent? Well, for me, uh, qualities that come to my mind, I'm sure you all have many things that come to your mind, um, are unconditional love, uh, commitment, someone who is empathetic. I think of good energy just present there with their children, someone who is affirming, validating, a really good listener, so many things. Does anybody have any other ideas y'all want to shout out of what makes a good parent? Patience, yeah. Generosity, that's right. Those are great. My second question is similar. When you think about a good friend, who comes to your mind? So a really good friend. It may be someone that's a good friend to you or someone you just know is like a really good friend to the people in their lives. When you think of a good friend who comes to your mind, and what qualities make that person a good friend? Now, for me, uh, the qualities for a good friend are very similar to those of a good parent, right? I think of uh, unconditional love again. I think of kind of that uh, ride-or-die commitment. You know, they're with you through anything. They're the people you can call on that are going to show up no matter how bad or messy the situation may be. They're people who are honest with you, who are supportive, who are fun, helpful, good listener. Any other ideas for good friends that I haven't covered? Understanding, yeah, for sure. In, what was that? Did I hear something? No. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so I ask you to think about these questions because in our text for today, God compares, uh, well, Jesus compares God to a friend and to a parent. And we're not going to focus so much on the Lord's Prayer part, but the two stories that come after the Lord's Prayer. And I think these, these are connected to the Lord's Prayer. It goes right into it. And so this is a way of fleshing out what Jesus is trying to teach on the Lord's Prayer. And so in this text, God is compared to a parent and to a friend. And I want to go ahead and spoil the ending of my message for you. And this is the simple message today. That God loves us even more than the best parent or the best friend. All right? Even more than the best parent you could ever imagine in the whole wide world, even more than the best possible friend you could ever conjure up in your mind, God loves us even more than that. And this may seem like too simple of a message, but trust me, I, if y'all think about it, often our images of God, the way we think and talk about God, does not sound like a loving parent, does not sound like a loving friend. Often we portray God as someone who is eager to punish, full of wrath, fickle, over-demanding, uncaring, violent, and distant. Would we ever describe a good parent or a good friend with those words or those ideas? That sounds more like an abusive parent or a friend that you need to stay away from. Yet often this is how we think of God. I believe God 
is eager to love. God is full of grace. God is consistent. God is inviting and compassionate and peaceful and really, really near to us. God loves us even more than the best parent or the best friend you could ever conjure up in your imagination. Our text for today begins with the disciples asking the Lord how to pray. It's really kind of sweet. They're watching Jesus pray one day, it says, and they see him praying, and they probably saw something they liked about that connection, that intimacy he had with God, the way he talked to the Father. And so they're like, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray like that? I want that kind of relationship with God. And so Jesus gives them an example of how to pray. And I'll just tell you, I personally, I do not believe this is like a, a formula that we have to follow, but this is an example of how he's telling them to talk to God, how you can think about God. And he leads his prayer by telling them to call God Father, to call God Father. And after he teaches them the rest of the prayer, he then tells them two stories about a friend and about a father. So in the first story, a friend helps out another friend in need, even when he did not want to help out his friend at all. His friend came to him in the middle of the night because he needed extra food. A visitor had shown up in the middle of the night. In Jewish culture, you showed hospitality. It was required of you. I wish we had that kind of thing in our culture. Um, but it was required to show hospitality when someone showed up to you in need. And he didn't have enough food or he didn't have the food he wanted to cook what he wanted to cook. And so he goes and he wakes up his friend in the middle of the night. And his friend did not want to help him, but eventually he ended up relenting and giving him the food that he needed. This is what friends do ultimately. They're willing to be inconvenienced in order to help each other out. It was an extreme bother for this guy to show up in the middle of the night to this guy's house. They were probably sharing a small home, all the children, all the adults, everyone sharing the same room, all sleeping together on the floor. Someone comes knocking on your door. You're waking up the kids. You know that's a mess when that happens. If you've already got them down, they're frustrated. He's like, do not wake us up right now, man. Go. I'm not giving you any food. But, you know, there was this kind of honor-shame thing back then. It would have been the wrong thing for him to do to not help out his friend. And so he's like, I'm going to help you out. I'll give you the food you need. This story makes sense now, and it would have made sense then. If you're good friends, you're going to do it even if you don't want to. In our second story, Jesus asked all the fathers in the room to imagine a scenario, and it's a pretty ridiculous scenario. And all y'all fathers in the room today can imagine this scenario as well. Imagine your child comes to you and asks for a fish, and instead you give your child a snake. Kind of crazy, right? Or your child asks for an egg. You know, they're wanting some protein or whatever. They're like, can I get an egg? I'm hungry. And you give them a scorpion instead to eat. The fathers here and the fathers then see the absurdity of this scenario, right? Of course, a good father is not going to give their child something dangerous when they really only need something to survive. They're asking for food, right? And then Jesus says, if you then, he's talking to all these fathers and all the other people, if, the, if you then, though you are evil, though you've still got evil stuff going on in your heart and mind, you're not perfect, you're far from where you need to be, even you know how to give good gifts to your children. 
how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Essentially, I hear Jesus saying in these verse, this verse that, you know, even though y'all aren't perfect, even though y'all got all kinds of problems, you still know how to give good stuff to your kids. You still know how to help your friend out when your friend is in need and annoying you in the middle of the night. Just imagine, just imagine how much more your perfect father or your perfect friend in heaven can love you. Like, you're far from being fully righteous, you, but you still can show love to your kids. And you still can love your friends. Just imagine the God of the universe who is full of love. Imagine how much this God can love us. Imagine how much. The disciples asked Jesus to pray, and He did not give them, or He did, He did give them some words they could use. But I think this passage really is more about God's character than it is about a prescription on how to pray or how to get what we want or need from God. There's no magic to the Lord's prayer, in my opinion. There's no secret to how to get things from God. It's not that we have to bug God enough for God's going to give us something. God is eager to come alongside of us. God is eager to show you love. God is eager to meet you in your moment of need. Jesus teaches us that God is open to us. That God is available to us. Just like a wonderful parent, God is there for us. God is eager to show us love and care and support. I think about my foster son. I I would do anything for him. Anything. And I know y'all with kids would do that the same. How much more so of God? Just as Jesus has this intimate like father-son relationship with God, Jesus, through teaching us this prayer, has invited us to have that same kind of relationship to God as well. A relationship of deep trust, of intimacy, of love. And ultimately, the goal of prayer is to become more and more filled with God's presence, closer and closer to God through His Spirit living in us and working through us. I've asked uh, Rick to share this morning. I'm going to invite him to come on up to the front. I'm going to give Rick a warm welcome as he comes forward. Rick and I had lunch last week and and had a really good time connecting and talking about just what he's been through over the last uh, few weeks, and he's going to share more about that with you. But he's going to share a testimony uh, of God's love and God's faithfulness to him. And so really this idea, this simple message that God loves us so much, Rick's going to break that down for us through a story, through what he's experienced and how God has met him in his time of need. He's dealt with a a serious health emergency, and and he's doing a whole lot better, as you can see. You're looking good, Rick. You're looking good. Um, And through his struggle, Rick has learned to trust God more. He's experienced God's love and God's presence in a much deeper way. And and what he shared with me, too, is he's been blessed by numerous people and so many of you all from this church um, by the way that they have shown him God's love through their big and small acts of kindness and support. And so I'm going to turn it over to Rick, and he's going to share with us, and then we'll share communion after that. Good morning. I stand here before you with a lot of emotions because, honestly, I didn't know if I'd ever make it back to this church. When I woke up in the ICU on a ventilator, it was, 
a terrifying experience. I didn't know how I got there, and I didn't know where I was going to go from there. But what I want to share with you today is, first of all, that Stephanie and my wife and I joined this church December 12th of last year. And in Hebrews 12, 1, it talks about such a great cloud of witnesses. And whenever I read that before, I thought, that's when I get to heaven, I get to see all these clouds of witnesses. First of all, I learned that I was heading towards heaven. But I also learned that the cloud of witnesses were right in front of me. You see, I'm not very good at accepting help. I like to do things myself. I take care of myself. So when Laura Pace called Stephanie and asked if she could set up a meal train for us, I thought, well, that's nice, but other people need stuff more. But Stephanie said, let's do this. And Laura went above and beyond She not only set that up, she had people bring food to her, and then she brought it to our house. Laura made, I don't know how many salads for Stephanie to have at the hospital. And then you folks jumped on board. Honestly, some of you that brought food to us, I don't know you. And you don't know how that touches my heart. You see, you are such a cloud of witnesses to two people who you may not know, who you may not have known long, but you were witnesses to us. And I can never thank you for that. And then in Galatians 2.20 it says, For I have been crucified in Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And church, what I want to tell you this morning is, you are Christ to us. You see, you were Christ when we needed him the most. Your thoughts, your notes, your calls, your texts, you were Christ to us. And don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget the Christ that lives inside of you wants to serve others. And that's what you did. But I want to share something else with you that's a little bit embarrassing for a pastor to share. When I was in the hospital, for some reason, I could not pray. I think I was so intent on survival that I could not pray. Friends, you took me to Christ through your prayers. You stepped in when I couldn't pray, and you prayed me to Jesus. And that's where I needed to be. I can remember the few nights, the only words I could say was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And He was there. And you took me there with you. You brought me, you pulled me along when I needed you the most. John talks about this morning about the... Uh, you know, the society, how the Jewish society was. We're not like that. You didn't have to do that. But you did it. Because Jesus lives inside of you. We've heard the statement before, a friend in need is a friend indeed. And what I'm telling you is, you are those friends to me. So whether I know you or not, 
I thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you did for me. You see, at 58 years old, I still think I'm young. But when I woke up in the hospital, I realized I wasn't as young as I thought. But I know something. I had a place to come back to. I had people to see. I had people that I needed to thank. And you are a part of that cloud of witnesses that I need to thank. Don't ever think your actions go unnoticed. I will never, ever, ever react to people the way I did before. You see, I thank God for what he's done. I thank God for me being in the hospital because it changed who I am. And I can never thank you enough for that. And that's all I have to say other than embrace, keep on being the church you are because this world needs more of you. Thank you.